Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, and today I'm joined by two of my favorite co-hosts, Mr. Johnny Crypto himself, and he's back again, the Crypto Goliath. Gonzo, good morning. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing Michael Saylor's strategy on how to hedge against the devaluation of currency. Apple confirms Bitcoin as the new gold. Visa slash MasterCard taking sanctions into their own hands. Russian Ukraine catalyst for crypto adoption. And XRP carbon credit solutions and connections to the World Economic Forum. We've got some massive eye-opening stuff today. But before we hop into that, I'd love to give everyone a chance to introduce themselves. Uh, I got to start off with a shout out to my wife. Because last week I got, you know, a little bit in trouble because, you know, I was talking about things that I was grateful for and I didn't mention my wife. So uh, I love you, Shelly. And of course, I am so grateful for you. Anyways. And the rest of the Academy reciprocates that message, Shelly. We love you, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah, Gonzo. It was, good. it was good. Good weekend. That's great. Johnny, good morning, bro. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? So as you know, my name is Johnny Crypto with a K, and I'm wishing you all a good day. I'm uh, super excited to be here. I'm happy to be here with Gonzo the Goliath. I love that name. It's fantastic. And Gonzo learned the number one lesson. A happy wife is a happy life. (laughs) He learned it the hard way. Hopefully the weekend wasn't too bad, brother. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's all good. She understands. She was just giving me a hard time. It was funny. Uh, of course she was. <laughs> so for That's all the awesome. men out there, keep your wives happy. So let me, you know what? Let me just throw a shout out to my wife. Very appreciative of you, honey, wherever you are. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we got that out of the way, I don't have a wife to shout out. So we'll just hop right into the crypto articles. So the first thing that we're going to pull up here is the Crypto Fear and Greed Index. So crypto, we're showing a 23 today which is extreme fear. We've had a lot of anticipation that we were going to climb back up into the 50s and 60s as we did the previous week, but we've dropped back down. Sentiment has returned to where we were before. I'm not I'm not super caught off guard by this. I think there's good reason to be fearful. The narrative could shift any direction at this point, and we're all feeling that. This is a, a one-year chart of the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index, and I think it correlates pretty well to where we should be taking profit and where we should be looking to accumulate. Right now, we're dipping below into that 20 zone, which typically happens at the bottom of a bear cycle, even in the short term. And I'm waiting for us to climb back up to the mid 50s and hopefully well beyond that at some point. Do you guys have any comments on the fear and greed index and how you're viewing Bitcoin right now? We'll start with Johnny. So, um, you know, I actually did an exercise here and plotted overlaid the uh, the Bitcoin chart on top of that. So you can kind of get a feel for how it correlates. Let me just see if I can share the screen with you guys. I want to be able to show you just to kind of give you a feel for what that looks like. If you're wondering um, how this all plays together. So uh, let me share here. See if you guys can see that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> let me know if that comes through. Yeah. Um, can you guys see that? Oh, no, we can't. There it goes. Oh, yeah. there we go. There we go. So very interesting, right? If you take a look here, you'll notice as Abs talked about. So the fear and greed index You know, you always hear this saying by Warren Buffett where he says, uh, buy the fear and sell the greed. So if you look at when we're in the 20 zone down here, this is what we call the fear zone. And if you look it up here, what we call the greed zone, right? If you listen to what Buffett says, you'll, you'll make out every time. So every time we were in this fear, right, heavy fear, if you bought, you would have been buying somewhere in the 25 to 30K range. And if you sold in the greed range, right, when we were at that greed up here, 
you know, every time you always, you always win. So it's just something to pay attention to. I mean, it's certainly, it works like clockwork and, and, you know, what's tricky sometimes is you may not always get the same rise to the same level in the, when you're in that, in that uh, uh, greedy area. But if you had bought whenever you were in those fear zones, you definitely would be, you know, making some significant profit in the, in the greed zone. So, yep. Yeah. So just, you know, something fascinating just to keep an eye on. Yeah. Gonzo, do you have any comments before we hop into the prices for the day? Um, yeah. Just that, um, again, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to the people of the Ukraine. We understand that people are being affected by this and they're actually dying. But we're just yeah. talking about like the narrative, right, of investing. Um, you have that saying, buy the blood in the streets. Sometimes that's not just about fear in the market. Sometimes it actually means blood in the streets, right? So when we have mm -hmm. a war um, and the markets react this way, um, those are the good times to start dollar cost averaging in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is really sad that, you know, when you looked at, if you looked at the chart of where Bitcoin was going and how, where it was merging with, with the, the trending averages and the support level and the rounded domes, we were actually expecting a, a bullish move somewhere in the March timeframe. And we actually got it in early March where, where Bitcoin made about a 14% move and busted above everything. And then the war news came in and it, took the whole the whole market down right and so that's just something you can't factor in abs all you can do now is again look at where we are we're in fear so as as um as gonzo said it's always the right time to start don't put your whole don't buy all your shot in one load though what you want to do is kind of spread that out so you dollar cost average into it by a little bit along the way because it could yeah. as i just showed you it can actually keep dropping nobody knows none of us know where the bottom is which is why what you're trying to do is you're averaging into the bottom. And then as you go up to the top, you want to average back out. And that's why it's so important to have an exit plan. And that's what we teach here at the Academy um, is to have an exit plan. So you can know, you know, as, as, as we're moving up that curve, start taking a little bit of profits along the way, especially if you dollar cost average in, you know, when it was really low. Yeah. And we talk about that often, how important it is to dollar cost average, stick to your exit strategy and don't get swayed by a certain narrative because we know that there's going to be narratives to be fearful. There always is, whether it's the C word or the cyber attacks or the war in Ukraine, there's going to be something around the corner. So we're prepared for that. And you should build that into your exit strategy. You should be prepared for the narratives to arise. So with that being said, we're going to hop into the, uh, hey, Abs, the overall just one, market. One thing would be exciting to see, and I'm going to try to build this one these days. We didn't plot the news on that fear and greed index, but I'm almost willing to bet my house that if we did, you would see the news correlating with when, with either good news or bad news. And you'd see fear or greed correlating exactly with it. Guarantee it. Cause they use that to drive the, the fear and greed index. Yes, totally. So first thing we got the market cap at 1.7 trillion today, Bitcoin sitting at a 42% dominance. Bitcoin is sitting just above 39,000 here at 39,100. Ethereum is at 2,600 XRP at 75 cents. Terra Luna is at $82, Cardano's $0.84, cents, Solana's $85, and then we're going to scroll down to Kronos here at $0.39. Cents. So overall market sentiment is really not much different from last week. I, I anticipated this steady market action. We're sitting at $39K, which I think is fine for the time being. I'd love to see us climb up above that $40K and start to break certain levels of resistance. But with all the narratives out there, it's, it's going to be difficult. What are some of your guys' opinions on how you're attacking the market right now? Are you just continuing to dollar cost average? What are you thinking? Um, I think, like you said, just dollar cost averaging in. Um, I, we've talked about this before. It's all about um, time and space, right? We always use that, um, um, the story to, like, if you go to, you know, if you're unhealthy or you're overweight and um, you go to the gym one day, you're not going to be fit, right? Yep. But if you go once a week and then it's twice a week and three times a week, you eventually become fit and then you become more healthy. So it's the same thing in investing, right? So the longer that you're in the space, um, dollar cast averaging in, the more likelihood that you're going to be in at a lower level and therefore you're going to get more price appreciation. Love it. Yeah. And there's another coin we get asked about often, and that's HBAR. So HBAR is sitting at 21 cents today. Johnny, anything you should feel like we should mention about the market right now? Uh, again, so similar to, it depends on when you got in, right? So I was fortunate to get in last January. And because of that, I'm just sitting there holding on like a tick on a dog. Um, if I wasn't in the academy, I tell I could tell you already, I would have sold. I would have done what I normally used to do. I would have panicked in fear and sold when everything was dumping and bought when it was high. But now being in the academy, I've retrained, retrain your brain. 
I've retrained my brain and now I don't panic. I used to look at this freaking thing. I used to look at my account. I don't know, maybe 12 times a day. So I'm sure you guys are out there that look at it 12 times a day. I've talked to some people that look at their accounts 24 <laughs> times a day. It's crazy. Right. And then after you get in the Academy and you start to realize um, how to become an investor in this technology, right. And not just a, a try to get rich quicker scheme in this technology, you're going to sleep a lot better. You're going to invest a lot better and you're going to make a lot more money rather than losses. But it's all about the mindset and mentality, which we teach here at the Academy. So you want to do that. Um, and now I, I'm just holding on like a tick on a dog. I don't even care if my account, my account is down a lot from last year, but it doesn't matter. It's okay because I know where the future is. We are all invested in the next greatest big thing that's going to drive the whole worldwide economy. I mean, you're in it. You have it. We all have a chance to invest in something yep. so early and nobody knows. And this thing's going to take off. So I don't care. I sleep great. And I'm looking for 2025, baby. 2025. I love it. And yeah. it's funny because we were doing our research last night. Uh, and I'll kick it to you, Gonzo, right after. Mm -hmm. But we saw on Ripple's website, they anticipated that 70% of global transactions are going to take place on ISO 20022 by the end of 2023. And that used to seem like that article came out in 2020, which seemed like such a far way away. And now we're only 18, 20 months from that point, which is, which is amazing. So it really isn't that far. 2025 is just around the corner. We're all going to be here to experience that. Gonzo, I'd love to hear some of your comments. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, that's why it's important like, to take personal responsibility for your finances and to know exactly what your entry levels are um, because it's individualized. So a good time to buy for you might be different for me, right? If my entry yeah. level for XRP over time has been 70 cents or 50 cents, anytime it's below that, it's a good time to buy for me. But- People that got in way earlier, it's not a good time to buy for them. So it's all yeah. relative. So it, that's why it's so important to kind of take some personal responsibility into your own finance so that you kind of know and you have a plan, whether like knowing your entry levels and then having a plan so that when the market does move, um, you have an exit strategy. Right. Hey, mm -hmm. and, and speaking of XRP, since you mentioned it, a lot of folks keep asking us all the time, where can I buy XRP? Where do I yeah. buy it? So I just want to throw a shout out there, guys. So you can buy xrp on uh two of the ones you know well-known ones are uphold and BitTrue. so um and i believe also kucoin but i don't mm -hmm. I use kucoin but i believe those three you can buy it on so for you for folks wondering where can i buy it uh take a look into those three uphold kucoin and BitTrue. yep you can uh you can pick up some xrp there and i i would i would do it pretty quickly because it feels like there may be may, maybe finally a little light at the end of the tunnel in this sec lawsuit yeah, we've got some amazing things. We're going to address that later too, which I'm really excited about. Ripple XRP case is moving fast. And we've been at this point where we're waiting and we're guessing on a timeline. I remember BitBoy Crypto said end of September. That was back in 2021. Then he said November. So everyone's guessing. Even the most prominent people in this industry really don't know how litigation works and how long these things can take. But it seems like we're getting close to a resolution. So with that being said, I'd love to hop into our first article. Visa and MasterCard joined PayPal in suspending Russian operations. The payment processor site is Russia's invasion of Ukraine, announcing the move on Saturday. So Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal are all suspending operations in Russia, the companies announced on Saturday. Once completed, all transactions initiated with Visa cards issued in Russia will no longer work outside the country. And any Visa cards issued by financial institutions outside of Russia will no longer work within the Russian Foundation. This is amazing. The, these updates, they just continue to come out. The fact that companies are taking sanctions into their own hands, I've never seen anything like this. And with this war and the ongoing threat to peace and stability demand, we respond in line with our values. Companies are able to come out and make a statement without needing the government to back them. And they're able to limit the financial opportunity for not only the governments, but its citizens. So Russian citizens are taking a huge hit, whether it's with the ruble or the ability to purchase things, the ability to access the value that they've accumulated. I'd love to hear some of your comments, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Why don't we start with you? So the first thing, first off, as Gonzo said earlier, prayers and, and, and love and high vibrations. You know, we want to send those out to all the people of Ukraine. Those poor people are paying. Those innocent people are paying the price for a what I believe, and this is only my personal opinion, what I believe is a, um, a pre-planned, um, you know, reaction, problem, solution kind of yep. scenario here where uh, let's think about this. When Russia walked into Crimea, Crimea, 
back in 2012 or 13 when they took them over mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't see all the stuff happening that you do today why would we why why would we do stuff different so the reality is it makes you the mind question why are we doing all these different things why are we putting these sanctions in place why is now mastercard and visa they, they didn't suspend anybody in, in 2012 why are they doing it now your Russia, i should say so you just have to start putting the pieces together and when you put the pieces together you know what's going to happen is at the end of the game you're going to see what the true agenda is and how do you know that well you look at what the end result was when something happened and you can kind of say oh okay they took us through a narrative to get it there right we're going to create this, this conflict between these two countries and then A is going to attack B and then we're going to support B and then B is going to, you know, then they're going to kind of be this back and forth tit tat kind of thing going on. But what you want to be looking for throughout all this stuff is look at what's changing. Look at the policies that are changing. Look at what's happening to the economy. Look at what's happening to how things that drive your personal life are going to change. You know, for example, you know, seeing more use of, let's say, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies or uh, you know, high rising oil prices, that's going to result in something else. So keep an eye on those things, because while you're looking over here at the war, this is where they want you looking. There's a whole bunch of sh- a whole shit ton of stuff happening here and nobody's paying attention to. Like the fact that Russia is offering oil at twenty two dollars below the price of, of, of a barrel of oil and nobody's taking it. Right. So there's some things going on behind the scenes that they're trying to do that's going to lead us somewhere. And we all know where it's headed. We know that this is all driving us to a new quantum financial system, digital wallets, heavy control over citizens, right? Once you have digital money in your wallet, they can pre-program it and tell you where to spend it and not spend it. We know where they're headed. It is interesting when you know the end game to see how they're putting the pieces together to get there. So I'm fascinated by all this stuff. Yep. And it's really important to look at who's, who's saying that they're going to do these things and, um, like develop their own sanctions and who's avoiding these things. And it seems like a lot of the crypto exchanges are anti-sanction. They don't want to shut down Russian citizens from being able to access their funds. But a lot of these credit card and debt equity companies are more than willing to say, hey, we'll cut the ties right now. We don't really care. Gonzo, did you have any thoughts while you were reading this? Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show, like I agree with Johnny, they're definitely moving us towards something, right? But it just goes to show um, that they're finally flexing their power and their muscle, right? They've weaponized the Swiss system. Right. When have we ever seen this before with a credit card company? Right. That has that much power to basically assist in shutting down of a whole country. And so it's just one of these things that's in the back of my mind. And I get it. I I understand what they're pushing us towards. Right. The quantum financial system. But for like the average person that doesn't know or isn't aware, you could see where they could start to build in that that fear. Right. Because here's what happens if they could do it to Russia. And like right now, everyone's on their side right or they agreed to do that what happens when you don't agree right what happens when visa or the legacy system oversteps their boundaries and completely shuts you down right yep. for whatever reason that you believe in so it, it it it's one of those things that it's a slippery slope right slippery slope baby it's very put dangerous your, put your skis on get your skis because yep. it's gonna get slippery boys it reminds me of freedom of speech right like when people start to just modify that even a tiny bit, we begin to move the line. And that's what I'm afraid of. When we move the line of what financial institutions are allowed to do and the sanctions that they're allowed to put in place, we're going to get a response. So how and far abs. will they push until they receive some form of a pushback? And I abs, think that this, oh, ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. This is why the elites are so smart. They move, they push the line, but they just move it over like by that much and then that much and then that much and that very slowly over time. And the next thing you know, from two, you know, 20 years later, you have nothing left. They took all your freedom. But you don't notice it happens because they're so smart. They know people are resistant to change. So they will never, ever change anything dram- too dramatic in one shot, right? Because they just they know it, it, they, it, people will fight it and they'll resist it. But if they make small incremental changes that you barely see, and they've said this, they'll change one word in the Bible, just one word. Just to start reprogramming everybody. And then they just make these small incremental changes. And that's what you're seeing. Since since 9-11, when we got attacked, right? And there's a lot of people that think we did it to ourselves. Who knows? I'm not going to go there. The point is, what started happening? You got Homeland Security and all these controls. You couldn't even go through an airport without getting radiated. Now, all these little things started to happen because of the, they put all these little pieces in place to build us up to where they want to get to. But they do it very slowly, very methodically, and very patiently. 
Yeah. And really quick comment. It reminds me of the Patriot Act, right? Like they used this catalyst where they were able to say, hey, we can access your emails and we can access your text messages, all your personal information, but we're doing it for you. Don't (laughs) worry. We're doing this for you. And that's what makes me nervous is when, oh, go ahead, Gonzo. No, I was going to say people make bad decisions when they're scared, right? When you, when you process things out of fear um, and, and that's what they play on. I was just going to say, I was, I was thinking that in my head, the Patriot Act, right? They snuck in all this different stuff because they had us in a time that the country was completely scared. Yeah. Right? And so that's what they do. And I'm wondering if this is just the financial version of exactly that, the Patriot Act, where they roll in these new financial regulations, they roll in these new standards and people think that they're, they're doing them a favor, right? Like, let us access your funds. We'll give you a central bank digital currency, but we'll define what's an essential good and what's inessential. So they'll tell you what you can buy and what you can't buy. But that rolls us right into our next article where Russian banks are switching to the Chinese card system. So because of the sanctions from Visa and MasterCard, Russia says, great, we can just take our money and put it into another system. Several Russian banks said on Sunday that they would soon start issuing cards using Chinese union pay operator system coupled with Russia's own Mir network after Visa and MasterCard said they were suspending Russian operations. I mean, I could have told you this was coming just as a retail investor. There was going to be some form of retaliation. It doesn't make me that nervous because I believe that companies like MasterCard and Visa probably anticipated these things and they're creating this conflict. So do do you guys have any thoughts about where we could be headed? Are we going to see more of this? Are we going to get pushback? What should we be thinking right now? Oh, I I was just going to say, no, I I think that I think we're going to get more of this, right? This is how they move us um, into the next system, right? While they start testing out whether this works or not. And then what they're going to find is, is that, they don't, they don't need Visa. They don't need MasterCard, right? They don't need Swift, right? This is how they start moving us. And I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight or in the next year, but this is the beginning of it. We'll look back at this time frame and see that this was the beginning, right? This is how it all started. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very telling. And, I totally agree. I think the problem with this whole thing is it would be great if it was you know impacting Russia only. But the reality is, what you're doing here is you're um, while you're while you're stabbing Russia, you're also stabbing yourself, and that's the problem because our economy also relies heavily on Russia, Russian oil, Russian trade. Right, the last thing you want to do is push a large country off a system that you want everybody be, to be using, and now you're going to push them off, and they're going to, you know, go and, and trade in, in with China, no less, with whatever currency they agree to use maybe it's with gold and not the u.s dollar that doesn't help any that doesn't help us in the long run right but but when you know where they want to go when you know the game you know this is exactly what is going to happen they they needed an excuse right so they could justify for the world hey russia's going to go do this and they're going to join with china and then they're going to do something they're going to drop the dollar it makes all sense now go oh it was because of the war no it wasn't it was because you freaking planned it and this is what you wanted and you created the war to do it that's what's happening here folks I love it. And Coach JV showed an amazing video talking about Ray Dalio's thoughts this morning. And he said, the three pillars of any country are education, technology development, and the sustainability of the currency. Is it adopted as a means of trade overseas? So right now, 70% of US dollar transactions happen overseas. They do not happen in the United States. And another uh, statistic I found really interesting was with the Visa and MasterCard transactions, just a little bit over 70% of Russian retail payments are done through Visa and MasterCard. So this is going to be a huge hit for retail. And a lot of these people disagree with what their government is doing. So I think it's very difficult to identify who needs to be prosecuted and who needs to be left alone. But that brings us into our next article here, where Russian ruble hits a new record low within the offshore trade. So right now, one Russian ruble, or sorry, one US dollar is worth 133.5 Russian rubles. And we've never seen a, a currency crash like this in such a quick time in this century, it's it's fantastic, and it's it's not fantastic. It's actually very disappointing. But anybody who's, who has been watching could anticipate these things. And look, people are just losing trust. Russia blocks Facebook and blocks Twitter access. Whether it's finances or information, it's very upsetting to me when I read these articles about who has control and what they're able to do to people like us. That's the sad part at the end of the day, Abs, is you've got the elites playing a game of chess and you know, all the pawns on the board and we're the pawns and we're just getting, they don't care who they sacrifice to get their agenda. That That's what's happening in a nutshell. It's so sad because I feel bad for, for all of us, the innocent people who are going to get, 
you know, um, caught in the middle of this thing. And, and all you can do is, you know, be smart, um, know the game and try to protect yourselves and your families and do the right things to to put yourself in the best position to be min- as minimally impacted as possible. Totally. Gonzo, do you have any thoughts on what's taking place in Russia and how does this kind of stuff make you feel? Do you think that we should be responding in a certain way? Um, it, for me personally, the way I feel, I, I'm, I mean, like I said, uh, I feel really bad for the people of Ukraine, but I, I stay pretty neutral about it. Right. My, my focus is, um, is the, is the narrative. Uh, again, I know that people are, are dying and that it's a real thing, but just talking about like the investment side of it or the processing of the information when I say the word narrative. Um, but it, it just goes to show like what I was thinking when I was, um, when you put up the article about Russia um, and uh, Facebook, how, um, you know, in the past, it was all these countries that moved world policy or financial policy. And now these companies have basically become their own countries, right? If Facebook wanted to shut everything down, they could, right? And then that's just a lot of power. But I mean, that's the way they set it up, right? That's the way it's supposed to be set up. Um, And and it's all, in the end, it'll um, all be a narrative. And they're pushing us towards that one world economy, that one world currency, right? Totally. That's where we're headed, boys. Do you have any comments, Johnny, before we hop into our next article? No, I want to get to the sailor stuff. So uh, I'm going to- Totally. Yeah, so our our next article is how the Ukraine conflict became a turning point for cryptocurrency. I don't want to dive too much into this, but I love this headline. Now people are understanding the real value of holding your actual assets and the mobility of it. The peer-to-peer transactions cannot be stopped. The only way you can stop a crypto transaction is when I want to deposit it into US dollars or a fiat currency. So that sustainable value that can be transferred peer-to-peer without an intermediary is very powerful. It hasn't really existed before ever since we we started trusting these institutions and giving all of our money to banks. But I just wanted to point this out because I thought it was very prevalent. And I'd like to say one thing. I, I, I want to send love and high vibrations to the people of Ukraine. I have so much sympathy and empathy for what they're going through. And me as an American, it gives me a lot of gratitude because a lot of times we forget about these things and we take advantage of the freedoms that we have. And we start to focus on irrelevant topics. And we can look at what happened in Rome. When Rome collapsed, they began to focus on things that were totally irrelevant. They weren't focused on a sustainable economy or creating the the right environment to to let their citizens flourish. They became distracted. And I think that's what America is going through now. We're being distracted by headlines, topics, celebrities. And I don't want to tie this into politics, but you can even look at our last president. It's, it's a great manifestation of who Americans are at this point. We're so obsessed with, with cultural celebrities and the prominence of being rich and famous and wealthy. And these are, these are external values. So if you're going to be a, a, a sustainable, great country, it comes from within. The individual citizens construct that economy. And I don't want to lose sight of that. So I'd love to get some comments before we move into Michael Saylor. We can start with Johnny. Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is it's kind of um, it's 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 I guess if you were to look at any silver lining coming out of this whole mess is that they're, they're using this uh, scenario to actually start to pre-program or push out cryptocurrency, make the world aware of it. Right. The whole world is waking up to being like, holy cow, this has really opened the door to a lot of people. Uh, to, 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 I should say, to cryptocurrency, exposing yeah. them to them, making them aware. It's creating an awareness for it that otherwise, you know, might have taken much, much harder other ways to do it. But this is really opening it up. People are seeing how simple and easy it is. People are now aware of the word cryptocurrency. People are sending money to everybody over there because of it. So it's a great thing because it's helping humanity. It's helping to get funds to people that otherwise you don't know how they're getting there or where they're getting there. Now you can, you know, you can send them to you know wallets and they get there directly <clears throat> so from that perspective if you're looking for a silver lining it is nice to see that cryptocurrency a is starting to become more mainstream now more and more yep. people are going to start talking about it more and more people are going to look back to this moment in time and go hey remember when this whole thing started we were actually able to help and save people get funds out there so so really really good from that perspective that's about the only silver lining i see in it but it is nice to see that people have found another way now to realize like hey you know, and you're going to find out in a minute, you know, how important or how, how really in, innovative this is when, when you hear from Michael Saylor. And our viewers are, are in a class of their own because we're bringing them the topics that we think are going to be important for them, building not only a proper financial situation, but the proper mindset that it takes to navigate a market like this. And the best place to do that 
is in the 3T Warrior Academy where we deep dive into all of this stuff and we dive into content, whether it's staking, the utility of cryptocurrencies, the sustainability of these projects. It's not something that's going away. It's actually just adopting and growing day by day. We're seeing more institutions, more governments become accepting of this information. And I've been in this for two years now. And I can remember just two years ago how heavily criticized the retail investors were for getting involved in something like this. And here we are two years later. It's given me the best financial opportunity I could have asked for. It's freed me from a job. I'm able to do this 24-7. I love it. And I feel so much gratitude. Gonzo, can you kind of speak to the utility of cryptocurrency and how this this could be the new way the world works, where we don't need government money to fund things. We can do it through peer-to-peer -peer transactions. Yeah, you know, it, it's awesome. But like you guys are right, just if you think about where we were last year, even last year, uh, they were still pushing that narrative that, you know, um, cryptocurrency is for nefarious reasons. It's for bad actors, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then now just starting with the Super Bowl, right? It was the it was the crypto bowl, right? Yep. And just I was watching a documentary over the weekend and they talked about um, the uh, the Super Bowl commercials and the dot com. There was a dot com uh, Super Bowl, right? And I think mm. it was right before the bubble popped, right? On, on the dot com. Wow. So I was just listening to that, and I was like, ah, oh, that that's really interesting because now the narrative is that cryptocurrency is is a good thing, that it's a positive thing, um, and more and more people are aware of it. Um, so it's going to be interesting how how it plays out, right? Because I was was thinking about that i'm like yeah at its highest point in the dot-com bubble right at that highest point is right after that is when we had the crash and it popped so we'll, we'll see what happens um but definitely that narrative has changed to where it's a good thing it's, and it's so true like remember with crypto.com when they changed staples to the crypto.com arena i found that to be huge because that's just the sub subconscious programming now everyone's like what do you mean all these sports fans are like Wow, they purchased this stadium for a hundred million dollars. And the Staples Center was one of the most prominent stadiums, not only in basketball, but all of sports, because that's where the Lakers play. So it's all about programming people to becoming comfortable with this stuff. I find I feel like that's why CNBC will often mention ripple and the ripple effects of what's taking place in the financial economy. Like this is all about programming and people becoming comfortable with these ideas and open to these concepts. But Johnny, do you have any closing comments before we hop into the microcellular content? I know this is awesome stuff. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'll just say again, it's, it, again, I feel bad for the people of, of Russia because of their ruble. Their dollar has been completely devalued to almost nothing. And you're going to hear in a minute why it's so important <clears throat> um, of making sure you're finding investments that can really hold true and stand to the test of time. And so... You know, you're seeing it happen and everyone's like, oh, it'll never happen here. But yeah, it can and probably will. The U.S. is probably next to fall. Uh, our our dollar is next to fall. We've been talking about this for weeks and showing you curves and in charts of how, you know, every currency lasts about 100 years or so. And we've already exceeded that. So it We're is pushing them towards that. Right, Johnny? I mean, absolutely. If, if all of a sudden this thing, once this thing plays out, if Russia comes off the dollar and then China comes off the dollar, we basically just cut our own throat or we just cut the dollar, yeah. right? And so, but that, that's what they want to do because that pushes us towards that new world currency. One, right? one world currency. They've been talking about for years. And a big part of that one world currency is a one world taxation. So when these people get global control and they think, okay, well, we, we get distribution of finance now. It starts with the World Economic Forum. This is a global narrative. It's way bigger than the United States. But I want to show a quick graphic before we hop into this stuff. And it shows what's happened to the dollar over the last hundred years. So- one dollar $1 could purchase you 30 Hershey bars in 1913. Whereas today, a dollar, it gets you a McDonald's black coffee. And to be honest, where I live, it's a dollar 25. So it can't even, even taste that. good. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's very telling that a lot of these, um, what is it? The global reserve currencies, they have a lifespan and it's 120 years. If you get the most out of your currency, it's 120 years. And right now, the United States is 104 years in to being the global reserve currency. And the narratives that are coming out right now are perfect in exposing SWIFT, exposing the devaluation of the dollar and moving us into that digital financial system. So it's very important to understand that before we hop into why Bitcoin is one of the best assets you can hold. Now, well, oh, just real quick, going back to that chart real quick, just one thing I want to point out, you can go back to that uh, right there. So look at, so I know you, we, I don't know if you can see the actual uh, first date, 
if you look at there we go so if you look at the full percentage right when a dollar was a full dollar that was around 1913. does anybody know what happened in 1913. please tell us gonzo no um, wasn't that when they met on the island so that was in 1912 check okay. where they created this famous thing called the federal reserve oh you can see right at the top it's at the top there federal reserve act creates the central bank so if you go through history you realize that we actually had all countries had central banks back like starting in like 16 1700s and the reason why um the us and our forefathers broke away from that whole system and didn't want it is because they knew exactly what happened this is exactly what happens to the monetary systems and they've seen that in the 16 17 and 1800s they didn't want it here and uh, one of the best presidents we ever had andrew jackson killed the central bank when we had it here in the early 1800s so once they, you know, they tried to kill Andrew Jackson twice. Thank God the gun didn't fire. And they went and recreated the central bank after he died and passed away and knew in, in 1913. But what they noticed, what they did different this time. Yeah, scroll to the top. They don't call it the central bank of the U.S. this time. They called it the Federal Reserve. So they made it sound more governmental. And, uh, and you can see what it does, right? Look at what it's done to our dollar. Ever since they created that, they stole the whole value away. And this is why. These guys are criminals and what they do and, and and they're smart. They do it through inflation. So you don't feel like you're being taxed, like by just paying a tax bill at the end of the year, but you're being taxed every time you spend your dollar on gas, on food, on grocery and anything, because it, you, as you just showed, you get, you know, from 13 Hershey bars to not even one Hershey bar today. Yep. And there's another thing it's important to understand. If you make 10% on your money, but your money is deflated 10% that year, you made nothing. And I think that a lot of people, it's, it's, it's a problem we have in the stock market where the stock market index is going up at the same rate that the dollar has been going down. So if we're making 12% on the S&P 500 this year, the value of the dollar is going down 12%. So you're actually staying at nothing. And Michael Saylor brings this up in, in some of the quotes that we're going to show you guys. So I'd love to hop into this right here. Gonzo, do you have any comments before we move on? Nope. You can move on. Cool. Yeah. So Michael Saylor is the CEO of MicroStrategies, which is a asset management company founded in 1989. And they've been way ahead of the ball throughout the entire decade, or sorry, the entire century. They hold about 125,000 Bitcoins purchased at an average price of 30,000. And back in October, they were actually purchasing a lot of their Bitcoin at $55,000. So I'm sure they're still using that same accumulation process since they're way below that price point right now. The first clip that I'm gonna show you guys is pretty self-explanatory, so I'm gonna let this play. I want to make sure the audio comes in clearly. So just give me a thumbs up if you can hear it correctly. Here we go. Nothing. Too many bucks. Okay, if you took a, if you took any amount of money, take $100 million in the year 1900 and invested in any currency in the world, you would have lost 100% of your money in every currency <laughs> except for the dollar or maybe the pound. Every currency collapsed. The winner of every war in the 20th century was the United States. And so the winning currency loses 99.5% of its value. Everybody else, you lose everything. Boom. So <laughs> that is that is fiat currency in a nutshell. Johnny, I know you got some comments, so I'll kick it to you right now. What are you thinking? So think about what he just said. So if you're in a losing country and you were an investor and you invested, you, you own the currency of a losing country, you lose 100%. But if you're in the winning country, you only lose 99.5%. So you're fucking either way. Think about that. Think about that. And when we just showed you the, the visual of it, right? When the central bank is in place at the end of the day, basically you're doomed. Fiat has no chance to survive. And as you can see, if you're in the winning country, oh, I'm sorry, if you're in a losing country, you're going to lose all your money. And if you're in the winning country, you get to keep 0.05% of your money. So obviously fiat is not a place where you want to be holding and saving your money. I love what you said right there. Fiat is not built to survive. They don't print that. They don't start this process thinking, okay, this is the money forever. They say we got 120 years of this and then we're going to crash and burn and roll us into that new system. Gonzo, what's going through your head? Yeah. It's, you know, it's nothing new, right? The difference between currency and money, right? It's by the definition. Yep. Um, the Romans did this, you know, I, I know coaches talked about this before where they devalued their currency. Um, so this is just like another cycle that we go through. Um, and like we looked on that chart before, usually yeah. currencies last about a hundred years. Ours has lasted uh, a little bit longer, but you can kind of see, uh, where the narrative is going. 
um, as like these countries like Russia and China start to see that they don't need the dollar, they start to pull off of it. You can start to see that it's going to be a hodgepodge of money that becomes that world currency or that backs the world currency. Very true. So I'm going to play this next clip and then we'll have a short conversation. Here we go. Now, if you, if you put that money in gold, there's a 95% chance it would have been seized in the hundred years because there's only a couple of cities on earth, maybe Zurich or Geneva, where you wouldn't have had it stolen. And maybe then they would still would have stolen, you know, if you were the wrong citizen um, in the wrong country. If you were a Swiss citizen in Switzerland for the hundred years, you might have kept gold. But, uh, you know, Churchill seized the gold. Roosevelt seized the gold. If you'd lived in Germany, you would have had your gold seized multiple times. In Japan, they lost it two or three times. In Russia, you know, count the number of times. So there's nowhere on earth where you could have kept your uh, your gold. And now you're stuck with, okay, well, where do you invest it? Land? Take, um, take... I'd love to pause it there just to address the gold issue. So Johnny brought up a great point to me when we were deep diving on this stuff last night. When he talks about them seizing gold, they're not talking about the small guys like us who have a couple thousand dollars worth of gold in their apartment or in their house. They're talking about the guys who are buying $500 million worth of gold and they have to store it in a bank because they can't, they can't hold 30 tons worth of gold in their home. So if you do have gold, it doesn't mean they're going to come knock on your door and collect it. It just means that you're going to be required to pay it back. And they'll seize a lot of the people who have 500 million, 100 million, a billion dollars worth of gold. Um, we'll start off with Gonzo. What are some of your thoughts on gold and its sustainability against inflation? Yeah, I mean, until recently with the first days of the war, it's kind of been at a stable price, right? It hasn't really appreciated a lot. Um, so as far as store of value, um, it, it's a good store of value, right? It's, it's the one that we've had longer than Bitcoin. But he brings up a good point. If something happens, right? You can't take it with you, right? You can't carry all that gold. Or when it comes to government seizing it, um, you can't stop them. But when you're when you're talking about Bitcoin, you can take that with you, right? You can you can either memorize your seed phrases or you can put it into cold storage. So it's the first time that you can actually take your wealth and wherever you go, you can take it with you. And you can't do that before, right? Yep. Even like with real estate, yeah, real estate, if you own a skyscraper in Manhattan, that's awesome, but you can't take the skyscraper with you. Same thing with gold. If you have, you know, um, you know, $5 million in gold, you're going to have to carry that. And so it's the first time that we've had a digital asset where you can put all your wealth into it and then take it with you. And the government mm -hmm. just can't take it away um, as long as you have your seed phrase. Awesome. That's, that's perfect commentary, especially for our next clip. Johnny, do you want me to play that or do you have a quick comment? No, you can go into that one. Perfect. Here we go. Take a hundred million dollars worth of money and buy land in Florida. Tax bills, $2 million a year. If you buy property in Florida, it's 2% property tax a year. It gets assessed up every year. You have the ownership of the land for about 20 years before the government takes it back from you. You don't own, you don't own your, uh, the your property. Of the land. Yeah. Plus the maintenance. So this, that's, that's basically the whole clip. I mean, you don't, the property tax that completely slipped my memory that it's a 2% property tax every year and you're getting no, you know, passive income off that land. So Johnny, I'd love to hear your comments. Yeah. So at the end of the day, this is why Michael Saylor is so brilliant. When I was watching this video and I encourage everybody who's listening to go spend an hour and a half to two hours that that video is. And we should put the link to that in the chat. If not, we'll, we'll post it somewhere in here so they can see it. Yeah. You need to go watch that video. I, I watched this thing and it actually changed my mind. The way I think about money, the way I think about gold, the way I think about crypto, go watch it. This guy is one of the smartest men in the world and the way his brain processes and thinks about stuff because of the way he's you know been in this industry that he's in. It's so brilliant. Go watch it. So what does he say? He looks at way beyond the actual just numbers of an investment, but he looks at all the factors that play into it. And at the end of the day, he's right. When you buy a piece of property or land, not, not, not a rental property, he's talking about land at this point, and you get taxed on it every year, um, and then the, and then they reassess it so your taxes go up. But within 20 years, you, you've, you've literally paid – you've lost that land. You've paid double for it. You, 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 you've literally given it all back to the city, basically what he's trying to say, in money. 
So if I bought a million dollar piece of land, by the time I'm tatting 20 years from now, because of all the raises and all the maintenance I've put into it, at the end of the day, I, I don't I, I don't own it no more. I pretty much have, have lost every single dollar I've put into it, is what he means by that. So he was talking here about where is a good place to put your money so you can not only secure it, preserve it, but actually grow it and give it to your family 100 years from now. And he obviously told you that land isn't good. Gold isn't good because gold producers produce 2% more gold every year. Same thing as the 2% land tax. So at the end of the day, as you continue to add more gold to the system, you're basically doing the same thing like dollars. You're, you're, you're inflating it, right? So yep. it loses its buying power as well. So he's just genius on how he thinks about these things. But none of us think that way. But go watch his video. I promise you, you will come out going, holy shit, I think about money a whole different way now. And we'll continue here. Humanity had for like 5,000 years, but, it was, but it's not a perfected idea. The problem with gold is gold miners produce 2% more gold a year. Okay, and that's no better than the state of Florida seizing 2% of your uh, your property a year in a property tax. The half-life of gold, therefore, becomes about 30 years. You divide 2% into 70, in 35 years, your money's cut in half. Hold it for 100 years, it's cut in half three times. The second problem is it'll be stolen by a criminal or a politician that disagrees with you. So I wanted to point out the inflation part of that. Johnny, you just spoke to it. I'd love to hear your thoughts again. Just kind of explain what he means by that. Again, so as I just said, he's talking about the inflationary element of it. So whether it's a tax or whether you're adding 2% more, you're, as you're adding more to the system, you're devaluing whatever it is. Um, so, for example, let's say you own land. I see people here saying, oh, land investment is good property. Hey, listen, I own property. I'm not going to say it's not. But he's right. It's not a great investment because at the end of the day, I'm getting paid in dollars. So if I'm getting paid in dollars and dollars are being devalued, in the long run, it's not a great investment. Um, it just really isn't because it's inflationary. Any kind of asset that you're going to put your funds into that are inflationary is not a good asset in the long run. But we're never taught that. You're not taught that in school. Who's taught that? We're teaching you that right now. Don't put your money in, in, in inflationary assets. The problem is almost every single asset out there is inflationary, except the one we're going to get to in a minute. Yeah. The other thing, too, is like with like land is that it's so expensive. Like I'm out here in California and the average price is eight hundred and fifty thousand uh, wow. in the area that I um, that I'm in. Um, a lot of people cannot afford that. Right. So Bitcoin gives you the ability to put whatever you make into an asset that's going to appreciate. Right. And so that's why you have a lot of like younger people that, um, you know, they're not saving up for a down payment on a house. They're saving up for a down payment on Bitcoin. Right. And yeah. everything that you need to see is he, they were buying at 55,000. They were buying full bit, you know, whole Bitcoins at 55,000. So what do you think they're doing when the price right now is what, what is it at 39 today? Yeah. 39 K 39 K. Right. So the fact that they they were still buying at 55 tells you what they believe in the asset. And like Coach always says, you know, follow the money. <clears throat> totally. Yep. And we'll play this next clip because that's a perfect segue. What's a better way to store economic energy through time? And you realize that the currencies don't work. Gold doesn't work. So what is money? Well, money, money in the last 30 years became the S&P index. You buy a diversified portfolio of companies, of stocks, which is a little bit better because maybe you're getting bled 2% a year by the management team, but the company's making money. And so maybe you can hold value. So I thought that was a really important point that he says, gold isn't the solution. Gold is just a better asset than fiat currency. So I'm not sure if you guys have any comments there, but if not, I've got a really impactful 30 second clip next. Uh, no, I mean, and, and again, we're not like totally slamming down gold. We're just yep. saying that like, you know, Bitcoin is more efficient and you can take it with you. Right. Yep. So, cause don't I, don't like, I can just imagine how people are like, oh, why are they talking shit about gold? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a good point. We're not talking shit about gold. What we're talking about here is where is the best place to put exactly. your assets to be able to transfer it to your family. And, and he says this in the early part of the video, and I'm trying to find the link so I can put it in the chat. In the early part of the video, he's trying to solve the problem of how do I pass my funds onto my future family 100 years from now? And if you do it through all these other means, it's going to be gone. And this guy's brilliant. He's thought about all these things because he's been doing this for 30 years. So he's going to give you the answer right now. 
We'll roll, pop right into roll, this. Roll that clip, Abs. <laughs> Here we go. Currency. When the currency collapses, the value of, of the rental income also collapses. So wouldn't it be great if I could buy a, a virtual building in Argentina using borrowed pesos? And then what if I could spirit the building out of the country and rent it to people in London or New York City? That's what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is digital property that you can teleport anywhere in space instantly. And it's also perfected property with with the lowest maintenance cost. You know, you don't have the property tax you have on a building. You don't have to. And that's it. That's what I really want to harp on. There's no property tax. There's no need to upkeep. It's digital value, digital sustainable value that can be instantly transferred anywhere in the world. There's no friction. And that's the biggest difference in this new financial system is there's not these endpoints where people can't get their money through. It takes three days to go from bank to bank. It takes two days to go cross border. This is the biggest fundamental difference is the transfer of that value. Gonzo, do you have any comments? No, I mean, uh, like, like he said, he, he, um, I can't say it any better. It's basically digital property, right? Yep. But we always talk about real estate. And so this is the digital form of it. And so it's the most efficient, I, I think. Yes. This is why this man is brilliant. He just checked off all the boxes. And the most important part, and he says it a little later in the video, which we're not going to get to. You guys can watch the video. We did post a link in the chat so you guys can see it there. Just scroll up. It's in the chat there. Um, but at the end of the day, the reason why he's so brilliant is he's told you he's checked off all the boxes. But most importantly, he talks about how it's deflationary. It's only got 21 million Bitcoins. They will never, ever, ever be able to print more than 21. And they've already mined 18. So there's 3 million left. And when those are gone, the price of Bitcoin is going to skyrocket because it will be in demand because you can't make any more of it. So like unlike fiat, where you can just print more dollars tomorrow, like gold, you're going to continue to mine it every 2%. Like property, where it's going to be continue to be taxed every year at a certain percentage. Those are all going to eat away at your asset values. But the one thing that isn't is a digital energy for function of money that can be transported anywhere with no cost, requires no maintenance, unhackable, not taxable, obviously, other than the fact that if you make a profit on it, right? If you hold it, it's not, not taxable and deflationary. So I'll be honest with you, like I, I really haven't invested in a lot of Bitcoin, but when you think about it, it is truly digital gold. And I will be buying Bitcoin. This is hundred percent I'm gonna be buying it now because he's spot on. I mean, he bought 125,000 bitcoins. You know, I mean that's a shit ton of money in the Bitcoin. And why did he put that much into it? Because he's assessed every single other asset down to the detail. He breaks it down in unbelievable detail. Go watch the video of how smart this guy is, and there's none that are going to hold this value over time. He actually was going to just give people their money back. He's like, I can't actually make you money. So he was going to give it back until Bitcoin came out and he started doing all that, doing all the, these, this assessment as he just laid out. And he's like, yeah, this is the one true investment that actually is deflationary. Can't grow over time. Can't be hackable. It's a great place to invest. So I know a lot of people are skeptical and they're like, oh, I don't know about crypto. This and that. Well, you can be, it's fine. But I bet you 50 years from now, 100 years from now, it will be, it will still be out there and it will not be uh, inflated. It's impossible to be inflated because of the code and the way it's written. So. And Steve Wozniak agrees with Johnny. Apple co-founder calls Bitcoin pure gold. And I feel like this is long overdue. But Apple's co-founder had some words of praise for Bitcoin in his recent interview with Business Insider, describing the largest cryptocurrency as pure gold mathematics. They might be another Apple and you can't see it yet. Yet there's no way to calculate it on a spreadsheet. And it's the most amazing mathematical miracle. That's what he called it. So he's just describing these new financial systems and how we can take advantage of it, which is really, really exciting. I'm not sure if you guys need comments, but if not, we're going to roll right into my favorite topic, the XRP situation. So let's just, close it out here. Just one comment. So Coach says this all the time. Watch what the billionaires do and then do what the billionaires do. Don't do what they say. Do what they do, 
right? And what are they doing? They're buying Bitcoin. And Apple's guy is buying Bitcoin. There's a reason why the elites are doing this, guys. They're not stupid people. They got all the money for a reason, right? They've thought about all these things. They've processed all these things way beyond the way a normal average person is taught to process finance. And so it's just it's just another thing of everybody's looking that way, but the, the elites are going this way. So follow the elites and... Um, you know, whenever you, whenever I'm, you know, as we start to see another dip, you know, here is probably a great time to dollar cost average right now into to Bitcoin. Again, not financial advice. We are not financial advisors. Just sharing with you guys kind of our thoughts of what, what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, we always talk about this. It's the energy of the market, right? It's the number one cryptocurrency that we have. It's been around the longest it has the most money into it. So it's definitely, yeah, it, it's not going anywhere, right? It, it survived a, a lot more of other assets or companies that have come in and then left the space. And it comes back to what I used to say about the stock market, right? There was an old saying, if a company reached a $1 billion valuation, it was there to say it was safe. It was sustainable. Now we're looking at a com Now we're looking at an industry or we can just focus on Bitcoin worth about $800 billion. And people are questioning, is this thing sustainable? Is this going to be around? <laughs> I'm going to take yeah. a shot in the dark here and say it'll probably be around for the next few years. So mm, I wonder. Oh, <laughs> no, hundred billion. I don't know. I wonder. So <laughs> the way, our guys, next article is XRPC's huge accumulation by whales. Is a groundbreaking ripple win in the SEC case looking likely? Crypto whales are scooping up a large chunk of XRP coins with accumulations running into the hundreds of millions over the past seven days. Currently, there are over 350 whale addresses holding more than 10 million XRP in each. This is huge. Once we see the big boys buying, we know that they know something we don't. I like to think that when the SEC dumped on us and we lost all that price appreciation, all that value, you know who was accumulating those dips? The big boys. And you know who was dumping? Retail. This seems like a similar situation where there's all this uncertainty in the market. No one really knows what's going down. We haven't heard too much from the XRP case, yet the millionaires and the billionaires are taking the time to accumulate on these dips. Gonzo, what's going through your head when you read this? Yeah, you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, it just goes into what your entry uh, uh, average entry price is. And if you fall below that, it's a good time to buy. Like um, anytime that I hit my um, entry level price or below that entry level price, I accumulate XRP. You know, I also do this other thing where I'm trading um, XRP into uh, that Bay token and out so I can what collect more XRP uh, because um, it's probably my biggest holding. Right. Um, and it's because of things like that, stories like that. Because when the whales start making moves, um, like you said, they know something that we don't. Exactly. Johnny? Yeah, I mean, this is always super exciting. I mean, we've been saying all along, just follow what the elites are doing. And obviously, the elites are buying the dip in XRP for a reason. And when I see the elites buying, it, it tells me um, that they, they they either know something or they, obviously they, have, they feel good, first of all, in the utility of XRP. And second, we all know there's a lawsuit hanging over the head of XRP, right? And so um, it could be an indicator, an early indicator that these guys know now something's coming. Of course, you will really know because you'll start to see the price. There'll be so much, uh, so many people jumping into XRP that you're going to see the price going up before, before the news comes out. So I think, you know, you'll know when the lawsuit's over, not because you heard it in the news, but because you're going to see it in the price chart. And well, we should I, I, resolution this year, right? We should. Like they finished the we had some major court dates that passed as far as um all the um the evidence that could be submitted. So yeah. we should get resolution this year. And so that's probably another reason why you're seeing something like that. And I think the price chart is very fun to look at as well. Like when you look at the price chart, it seems like we're due for a breakout in late April for <clears> from <throat> the chart analysis guys that I believe in and I trust, that's what they're saying. And wouldn't it be perfect if that was the catalyst that we got? late April SEC settlement and boom skyrockets. And it happens at the perfect time in the price chart. And it's kind of like blockchain backer says these narratives, they roll out so perfectly that it's almost like we're, I don't want to say we're in a simulation, but Elon Musk says simulation theory, right? Like everything's so correlated and connected and whether it's these swift narratives to the digital asset system, there's so much going on and the narratives are so perfect. It's either totally coordinated behind the scenes or there's something going on that we can't totally understand. So, Johnny, what are some of your thoughts before we close it out here? <laughs> if anybody thinks none of this stuff is all pre-planned ahead of time, I got a beautiful bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. I sell it for cheap, cheap. Reach out to me. 
you can, you can you got my social links below. Send me your information. I'll be happy to you know take bids. Very very cheap. Great offer. <laughs> That's perfect. Gonzo, do you have any closing comments? It's 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 like you know like uh, Waters Above would say it's all an algorithm, right? Like when he breaks down the the gramatria and the numerology. Um, but I'm just going to add that um, we've seen price appreciation in XRP without resolution in the SEC case. So, um, you know, don't be surprised if we don't, and then we still get that price pump. Beautiful. All right, guys. Well, I'd love to say thank you to everyone for joining us today. If you're looking for a deeper fundamental understanding of how to navigate this market and you want more of our content from Johnny Crypto or Gonzo, please check us out at the 3T Warrior Academy, where we put all of our attention and focus on a daily basis to give our warriors the best mindset possible while navigating this stuff. It's very new. Johnny Crypto, do you just want to give people a shout out on where they can find you? Yeah, so uh, you can find me at Twitter at JohnnyCrypto00, also uh, YouTube, but there's only one video right now, so I haven't had much time to get up there. <laughs> but I also want to say that you can also meet us all live in person. If you come out to the Freedom Conference, that's going to be in April. Uh, come and check that out. Uh, there's going to be, you know, Bearable Bull and a whole bunch of other guests there as well. There'll be a, a live couple panels with the crypto research team here. So you'll get to talk to us, ask us questions, meet in person. So it's a great opportunity to really get to spend some time and get to know each other. And more importantly, to see what the community of the 3T Academy is all about. It, we could talk about it all day long and tell you how great it's been for all of us. But to actually be in person, to see it and feel it. That's a whole nother thing. So I encourage you all, if you haven't had a chance, there's still some tickets available. Please come out and check out the Freedom Conference in April. Yes. And one of the most valuable things I've gotten is just watching how JV manages his energy and where he's putting his time. And I've taken a lot of the things he does and applied that to my own life. So I think a lot of people can take that same concept. If you're looking to develop, if you're looking to get ahead and stop getting hit by roadblocks, this is the place to do it because he's going to show you how to get over those mental hurdles and stay in that positive mindset that's needed to get the most out of yourself. So I'm going to close it out the same way we always do. Warriors, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us today. Let's go. All right.